We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, I had to say it a little bit more like Gundy since we hadn't done it in a while. I know that was there was a there was a twang there. Back at it. Back, yeah, it's great. I love it. We got a lot to talk about, man. We haven't we haven't spoken since the uh, NCAA golf. Um, I don't want to call it a debacle, but shammery, um, the loss for OSU. I, look, we had talked for weeks and weeks and weeks about it. How. They were easily the best team, but you know match play is always dicey, and uh, match play once again jumped up and bit them, and they 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 lose in the semifinals to Texas. You wrote a piece for the blog that uh, got the comment section really fired up, and I think you you realized that OSU fans were going to be sensitive about this. But uh, just give me your your take on what happened with OSU losing in match play. Well, yeah, it, it's it's hard because like off the top you're like okay well is it a good system if you're putting that much sort of um i don't know volatility in like a like the top couple of teams you know not winning so Oklahoma State's been the the stroke play champ four times now oh nine uh i can't remember i think it was oh nine uh 10 18 and 19 i think that's right i think it was back-to-back uh stroke play champs both times and last year, 18 is the only match play they've ever won. So essentially, this match play um, like format has cost them th- three titles, which sounds crazy. And maybe it is. But my entire point about all of this is just that it's so good for the sport because, like, I mean, you pointed this out. Nobody wants to watch a 31-stroke victory. You know, like Alan Bratton's family doesn't want to watch a 31-stroke victory on a Monday afternoon in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Like, it's just not – and I went back and found some old Mike Holder quotes, and he's like, look, this, nobody is like cares about this. And they should because it's really good. So how do we get them to care about it? Well, you introduce match play, and then all of a sudden you've got everybody in the golf world and people even outside of it intrigued. Like, everybody I follow that covers golf – was into the NCAAs and, and has been for the last five, six, seven years. And that just, that's not a reality that we've seen historically in college golf. And so I think it's, I, I just, yes, Oklahoma state is like the collateral damage of this format, but I just think it's a great thing for college golf. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I thought you made a good point in your article that if you, if you go back to the old stroke play format, you're essentially rowing. Like no one's covering your sport, and that's basically you're basically one of the the non-revenue sports that nobody really covers or pays attention to. Your gymnastics are rowing. I thought was the best way to put it. And I, I'm so torn on this, Kyle, because I totally agree with you. It's riveting television. It makes the sport watchable. It makes it relevant in the public consciousness. But it does feel a little cheap it does feel a little dirty that stanford gets to walk around and call themselves national champions the the team that finished sixth in stroke play and really was fortunate to get out of the match play in the first round i mean mm-hmm. the guy they benched a guy who made the winning putt for them to advance in the first round of match play so it just i'm so torn on this because yes it has cost osu national championships it's a terrible format to crown the best team because only one number one seed has ever won it. And that was, as you mentioned, OSU on their home course. That's the only time. And even then it was dicey, Kyle. Remember, they were on the ropes against A&M yeah. in the first round yeah. of match play that year. People forget about that now. But 
I don't know. I, I hate it for OSU, and, but you also have to look at it this way too, Kyle. OSU's not going to have this dominant of a team every year to where stroke play is rendered totally, totally uninteresting. You know what I mean? Like that, that really, there is incentive there to finish high in the stroke play, even though OSU's not going to win by 31 shots, I guess, is, is my ultimate yeah, point there. That's a good point. And everyone's tried to make analogies about, and you did too, March Madness. And I mentioned that it's like Alabama having to do a seven-on-seven tournament after after the end of the regular season. But I think the best analogy is college wrestling. Mm. College wrestling throughout the entire year does match play, essentially. Head-to-head duels. Your guy against my guy at this weight. But then, when it's time to crown a national champion, they essentially do stroke play. It's all individuals doing their own thing, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. But the big difference here, Kyle, is wrestling, the best team wins every year, whereas in this golf format, as great as it is on TV, the best team never wins hardly. Well, the best team doesn't win because you're shrinking the the length of the competition. So if you put if you put me and Tiger Woods on the same par three hole, just any, just any course, and you say you play one hole for a million dollars. I have a I have a legit chance of winning. Am I am I going to? Probably not. But I have I have a at least like a, a hope. Like I, I could win that. He could hit a ball into the water. He could three putt. Hit, hit it in the trap, sure. Yeah. But if you say, Okay, go play eighteen, am I beating Tiger Woods? No chance. And if you go and if you say go play seventy two, am I beating Tiger Woods? Zero percent. Like it, it, it could not it could not happen. And so when you shrink the format, when you say, hey, it's 18 holes instead of 72, and we're throwing in the volatility of kind of the way match play works, yeah, of course the best team is not going to win. But it, it, I don't know. It goes back to like, do you, like, do you want the, the fairest thing or do you want the thing that's best for the health of the sport that also might double sometimes as the fairest thing? I, I, I just... I'm going to gravitate toward that. And I think, honestly, Carson, I think if you ask most guys in college golf, they would too, even the guys on the best team, because it's, I mean, there's no better drama. Like you are completely naked out there. It is the most exposed you're ever going to be as an amateur golfer. I mean, think about, think about Boshu down the stretch. Like how exposed are you? Freaking everybody you have ever known is watching you on national (laughs) television. And look, like, you know, that that's, it's a good thing like that, that like what better drama is, it? you know, golf channel, like wants to broadcast this stuff. It is, it is, it, it, it has become a sport whose postseason matters in a way that it probably shouldn't matter. And when you're talking about, and I, I made this point and it might be a little soft, this might be a soft point, but look, if you're talking about the future of athletic programs and like people are cutting sports and, you know, stuff is going away. Everything's subsidized by football and to an extent basketball. Like golf has been elevated now to where it's not in that bottom group. And maybe it never was. But if you look at some of Mike Holder's old, old quotes, it, it sort of seems like it was. But now it's it's not. You know, Golf Channel has these rights. They've extended their contract. And it's, it, it's postseason, not only for the men, but the women is a big deal now. And I, I think that matters and maybe I put too much importance on that but I, I I've tried to shine a light on that over the last few weeks 
Yeah, I do want to talk about the matches too, but to your to your point about the the health of the sport, I think you may you also made a very interesting point. I, I would love to hear what Holder has to say after after the, what just happened in match play and what does he still support it and all that. But I think you made the point that it's almost the most Mike Holder thing ever, right? Yeah, I know because he cares so much about college golf mm-hmm. that he's almost not willing. Obviously, he's he's probably just upset as anybody that, or even more so than anybody that. It's cost OSU national championships, but don't you think that's that's almost kind of the most Mike Holder thing ever that he's willing to maybe sacrifice that for the health of the game that he loves so much? Oh yeah, oh totally. I mean, it's and, and that's what drives, you know. I think that's what drives some people crazy. He's very, he, he he's so interesting because we look at this as fans and nobody is objective. Everybody's so subjective, like looking at it through the prism of their team. And he's a very objective person. And so I think that that it can come across like people don't like it. Right. Uh, Especially fans of the program that he's the athletic director of. And I'm not saying he doesn't care about OSU. Certainly he does. Nobody cares more about OSU probably, but I think he does value um, a thing that should be valued above a single school. And that's the sport itself. And that's a, you know, that's a big thing in, in golf generally is, you know, sort of, and I, we don't need to go down this path, but just like the idea of respecting the game and like the game's bigger than everybody who's ever played it. Like people within golf take that very seriously. And I think he's among them. Uh, Carson, one thing that was suggested to me, I want to get your thoughts on that. Lee, Lee Cawthorn, who has done some wrestling stuff for us, uh, is, has become kind of an acquaintance, um, and, and is a follower of the of the website and stuff he suggested uh potentially like the top i don't know how the math would work on this but maybe the top uh two or four or whatever teams in stroke play getting a buy so like you you bring more teams into match play like let's say you bring again i'm not thinking of the math properly i guess you'd bring 12 teams into the match play uh and then the top four would get a buy or maybe you bring uh Maybe you keep it at eight and the top two get a buy. I don't I don't know how yeah. you, how this would like all play that. out. But like essentially incentivizing a team like OSU or a team like to to really go for it in the stroke play to get a one or two seed so that they don't have to mess around in that first round of match play. I think that's a very logical step to eliminating the fact that this screws over the best team. Yeah. I think there, there needs to be a real incentive to finish top two and a real reward, frankly, because my biggest problem too, Kyle, with this format, that course walking, I had friends that went to the event. They said walking that course for just four or five holes damn near killed them. Yeah. They had to, they rode a shuttle <laughs> to, to the ninth hole from Push some parts. other spot of the course. Well, and I asked him, I was like, do you think it wore out Matthew Wolf carrying his bag up and down those hills? He goes, he goes, honestly, I think the push cart was worse because you're literally pushing the cart straight up a hill yeah. all day. And he's like, I would have just carried my bag. So I just, with the three full rounds of stroke play, I'm not for adding more rounds of match four. play. There's already a ton four of rounds. Is it four rounds? Yeah. Like that had to be like, like I, I don't want to make any excuses, but like I would be exhausted after that. And you're, you're expected to play pressure packed matches after that. So that's, I think that adds a whole nother layer of randomness to the match play, by the way. Yeah. And, so and, I, I am for buys, Kyle. I'm just not for adding more rounds. So I love the idea of the top two getting a buy to the, uh, to the semis. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and I think you, you, you can't it, you can't flatten it out once you get to match play and say, oh, well, the number one team is the same as the number eight team. Oklahoma State beat SMU by uh, 60 strokes in stroke play like you can't you can't just say oh well these are equivalent now and it's like oh, no they're not like they're they're not even in the same world and and i just think i mean you look at the difference between number three and number eight in the seating there's it's the same team like there's no mm-hmm. difference in those teams and so you might get like this randomness of like hey maybe the second best team in the country had a bad sunday and all of a sudden, they're the number eight seed, and Oklahoma State has to go against them, or whoever's number one has to go against them. That's that's not good. Like there should be more, I think, incentive on playing really well in the stroke play. Exactly. And so in the in the match play, and you could even do it this way, which I think would get a little more convoluted. You can handicap the individuals. Matthew Wolf beat Cole Hammer by twenty one shots, <laughs> and so I'm not saying he gets. 21 pops so they don't even play the match but (laughs) it should be handicapped a little shouldn't he get a a few shouldn't he start a few holes up by just destroying him and i don't know just there's so many ways to do it that that seem more fair to the team that really earned the right to have an advantage going into match play and there's no advantage at all as you mentioned you know osu beat smu four and one but it was dicey there at certain points like there's that could have very easily been three two maybe even the other way but um, well, it it is hard because it's almost like you, it <laughs> it's almost like you tell Kentucky or Duke, hey, go win a seven game series against uh, Cal, and then after you do that, you got to beat them one more time, right? You know, and it's like. Like it, like it, in the NCAA tournament, like that, that's and but there is some there is something sort of raw and kind of beautiful about like hey, it's match play, everybody's exposed, everybody counts. Like that's it's. I mean, I can't overstate how intense it is. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I do feel like there could be things that could be added in that would sort of weight the important because stroke play like for Oklahoma State it does. I mean, they could have shot anything on on uh, Monday in the in the last round. It didn't it didn't matter at all. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just like it was. But which, by the way, they shot the best score every day. Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> it. You can't, that's impossible. You can't do that. They shot the they shot the best score in round one by a stroke. Best score in round two by eleven strokes is one of the probably their best performance of the year. And then the best score in round three and four by uh, one stroke each round. That's unbelievable to do that yeah so so yeah i I do think that there should be some sort of reward other than like facing the eighth place team which is not it's again like the top eight teams in the country are all more or less the same so you're not you're not gaining an advantage by winning the stroke play uh versus finishing sixth seventh or eighth yeah and i mean stroke play there's 150 guys or whatever and it really matters for one guy the guy the guy that wins individual that's really essentially what it comes down to. So I'll, we'll, we'll move on to softball here in a second. But I did want to talk about the matches themselves. Obviously, I thought Matthew Wolf played his ass off to be down four at the turn. I mean, Cole Hammer goes out in 30, could have shot 29 if he hits a putt on nine. Wolf had to hit a couple like 30 footers just to keep his head above water. I thought that was just an absurd performance by, by Cole Hammer. And really, that was pretty smart by Texas to put him up against Wolf because if they win that match, then, then it's a real crapshoot from there. Yeah, um, yeah, they did because Bratton put Wolf out there, and then Texas got to choose who was playing him. Well, uh, 
Hammer's well, Bratton never. What do you think? Bratton never changes his lineup. It doesn't seem. I know. How come uh, he doesn't do that? I don't know. I don't know. Why would you? Uh, well, yeah. Cole Hammer's good. I mean, he's he's the number five amateur in the world. Of course, he's good. You know, like he. I don't. And I don't know in terms of like uh, pro potential. I don't know what his. He's kind of like he needs to get bigger. You know. He's he's looks like he's fourteen years old still. Well, yeah, and I covered him at the uh, at Chambers Bay in fifteen. He played in the U.S. Open as a as a fifteen year old, mm-hmm. and or maybe a fourteen year old. Uh, but he's he's a good player. But yeah, I mean it's the round of his life. And I mean Wolf goes out in thirty four. Here's the thing, Carson. The the scoring average in stroke play at that event was over seventy five. Wolf goes <laughs> Wolf goes out in thirty four, and he's down four holes. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, what, what yeah. do you, I mean, was it the, the best round he's ever played? No, but uh, it, it, you get put in a difficult spot. And this was, Bratton made this point after stroke play. He's like, look, Wolf and Hovland essentially can carry us in stroke play because only four guys count and they can cancel out anybody that shoots a 78. But in match play, everybody's exposed. And so when your best guy gets taken down, it is... It gets tough, and uh, obviously it was for OSU, even though they had a chance at the end to win it. How about the names of some of these Texas guys, by the way? Uh, the Cootie Brothers? The Cootie Brothers, you had... Um, How about spelling Pearson the way Pearson Cootie spells it? That's yeah. a little extra. Well, they. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read... I read this to Mrs. Pistols the other night. Here's the, I'm just going to read their roster of players. <laughs> just real quick. Christopher Brain, Cash Carter. Are you kidding me? Cash Carter, <laughs> Stephen Cervoni, Pearson Cootie, Parker Cootie, Nick Costello, Cole Hammer, Drew Jones, Robert Patton, Blake Pedal, Parker Sexton, Spencer Seussman, and Will Thompson. <laughs> I mean, what, what? It's like a Will like Thompson, a, like the eighth from Country Club, Austin. <laughs> he's from Naples, Florida. Uh, okay, uh, but no, I mean they're a good team, you know. But I, I went back and looked at they had played in the same stroke play event as Oklahoma State five times in 2019. So not the whole season, but this calendar year, and they had beaten Oklahoma State one time. Oklahoma State had beat them in four events by a combined 80 strokes, and Texas beat them once by six. I think it was a maybe the event in Mexico. I don't remember. Um, well, Texas beat them in the Big 12 match play. I guess they do a Big 12 match play now, and that Texas was, did beat them there. Yeah, that was in the fall. That was in October, maybe. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you want to talk more about Wolf? Well, again, I yeah, I do. Like, again, this is where this is where the stroke play hurts you because Wolf is there grinding for four rounds to yeah. win the individual where Cole hammer shoots like 20 something over par. He's already out of it. Yeah. He's not expending nearly the same mental energy or physical energy. That's a good point. And I don't think Wolf hit it nearly as well. Like he still shot 34. I thought it was a testament to him being a pro because he wasn't hitting it very good at all. He was making some putts and scrambling his tail off just to shoot 34. He, to me, I thought he looked worn down and I don't, I'm not making excuses. I mean, I just, I know people that were there at that course. He carried his own bag he wasn't hitting it half as good as he was in stroke play. And he still shot 34. I mean, he's, and, he's, and you made the point he's the greatest golfer in OSU history. You, you made the case that he's got the best scoring average. He won six times. I think it's the best season ever. And uh, you can make a serious case he's the best ever, as you did. He is. I mean, I, I've tried to get around it. I've tried to be like, oh, well, no. I mean, you can, you can say that somebody else, you should say that somebody else is more accomplished 
Charles Howell's probably more accomplished. Lindy Miller's more. I mean, there, there's there's a handful of guys that are more accomplished. There's a handful of guys that that are probably will have better pro careers. Maybe I don't. You know, we'll see. But I I don't know that you can say that anybody that's ever played golf at Oklahoma State has been better. I mean, here, here's here's my deal, Carson. So. Victor Hovland, three-year career. He's probably gone. I mean, it'd be shocking if he wasn't. He breaks the all-time career scoring um, record at Oklahoma State. So the old record was 70.57. So career scoring record. Strokes friend, divide, of the, friend of the pod? Total strokes divided by total rounds. No, Hunter Mahan. Oh, I thought, so, it was, I thought Charles Howell had the scoring record. Charles Howell had the single-season scoring record. This, uh, is, this okay. is career. So Victor okay. Hovland breaks that by a tenth of a stroke. His career scoring average was 70.48. And Wolf just destroys him in terms of career scoring average. I think he beat that. I think Wolf beat that by uh, like a stroke or more. And so Victor Hovland's like – Oh look, I'm like I'm the best golfer in OSU history based on my scoring average, and then Wolf just just torches him in in his two years in Stillwater. He breaks he breaks Charles Howell's single season scoring record this year by a full stroke. Charles Howell's the only guy that's ever broken seventy in a in a single season. He was sixty nine point five seven, and Wolf and Hovland beat that too, and Wolf dro- dropped Howell's record by a stroke. That is that's a ton. The only guy to win six times through two seasons. He's going to win the Haskins. He won the Jack Nicholas Award. He he's one of nine NCAA individual champions. I just I don't know how you can look at it and say anything other than he's the best golfer in Oklahoma State history. I can't make a better case than that. And I thought the way you illustrated best for his potential moving forward was uh, the stats you had on Ricky. So Ricky won. In the same exact two years, they, they were there the same amount of time at OSU. Ricky mm-hmm. won three times. Yeah, he and won, Wolf won six times. Yeah, he won three times, and Wolf won six times. Ricky had eighteen rounds in the sixties, which is a, bi- a big deal in college golf, like shooting rounds in the sixties. And Wolf had thirty-nine. See that that that's the number. I mean, thirty-nine rounds in the sixties is absurd. The school record is forty-two. Charles Howell did it in four years, and Wolf got thirty-nine in two years. Well, I mean, we've talked, you know, people that know way more about golf than me say he's the most exciting prospect since Tiger. And I think those numbers back it up. And then you throw in the fact he's got, he's just, he's so long. When he played in the, the, the Phoenix, Phoenix Open, he was the longest guy there. Yeah. Um, his potential with his personality and stuff. He's, I've won it. My one interesting thing I'll save on, on Wolf moving forward. But I did want to, so Wolf's the greatest, the GOAT. We, we both agree on that. I did want to mention Zach Bushu's match. I thought when he drilled that putt on 17, I was texting with Bill Haston, friend of the show, and he was talking about how clutch he was. And I was like, Bushu's kind of like Kepka in a way. Like during the regular season, he's just he's the four or five man. But like come NCAA's, he went out in 29 last year. Yeah, yeah. He was coming up clutch there on 17 with that putt. I was like, he's like the Kepka of the team. I like that. And then. And again, this is gonna. I'm I'm sounding like Mr. Excuse Maker, and both guys had to play in these conditions, but they step up to 18. Bushu doesn't see his drive. He has to turn around, and ask where it went, and it's dead center of the fairway. And then his lag putt on 18 was like four feet short. I don't think he could see. And I, my friend that was there, I asked him how dark it was, and 
he, he gave me the, the line that I already knew that it's, it's much darker than it appears on TV. You know, like, <laughs> like, I, I, dude, I, I, I know. Uh, but he said it was like super dark and he had a hard time seeing. But so I think that affected his short putt that he missed, too. But I, he but my friend was right here when the, the Texas guy tees off. It's flirting with the bunker. It's flirting with being dead left or where you have just no shot. And it somehow stays where it did. And Kyle, when he said that Shervoni kid hit his second shot on 18, he he flushed it, didn't even look at it, slammed his club into his bag and said, be good, and just picked his bag up and started walking. Didn't even look at it. Wow. Because he knew he just absolutely peered it to 15 feet. And obviously, we know he made the putt. But I mean, that I think putt- the... I think the darkness affected Bushu. Is my yeah, point. for sure. But I mean, both of their put and and it just to me it illustrates how awesome match play is for for Bushu to win sixteen and seventeen and the putty hit on seventeen. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. and, and then the putt Shravoni hits on eighteen. I mean, how golf doesn't get better than that? It's it, it's like the Ryder Cup. I mean, it really is. With you know, and one of my favorite things about college golf, and this happened last year when we were there when Oklahoma state won it is everybody's around the green. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. like, wait, wh- why are there so many people like standing on the green? And it's just, what else are you going to do? There's no, there's no other golf going on. You might as well. And, uh, I just, I loved it. I mean, for, for both you to, to win two holes in a row to go one up going to 18 and then just as a golf fan for Shavoni to hit that putt on it on 18 to send it to extra holes. I mean, are you kidding me? That's just, that's as good as that, that's as good as college team golf gets. And if you want to go back to stroke play and thirty-one stroke victories, fine. That's that, so be it. But you're gonna miss out on a lot of fun like that. Yeah, but I did think it was kind of poetic that, that Texas lost to Stanford just to prove how random yeah. match play is. For I sure. thought that was pretty fitting. All right, you want to talk some softball? Uh yes, I do. Um you're, I had one other thing on Wolf. Where is it? Oh, what'd you think about him saying we want to be the best college team that's ever lived? I thought he just was reiterating what everyone was, you know, I was getting real nervous when everyone, including Pistols Firing, Tulsa World, the Oklahoman, were, were writing this is the best team ever, has potential. Because it just seems like every time people start talking about best teams ever, they always lose. Yeah. Like I remember the BOU team that got housed by. USC, the Patriots, just every time that becomes a narrative, I, I get a little nervy. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't hate it. He, he, they would have a legit case for that if they were to win the national title. I think that's all he was saying. Yeah, I loved it. I I love him. I think he is – I think he's awesome. And I think he's got such a good makeup for the PGA Tour. I mean, you know, he, he said this after winning the NCAAs – or winning the individual. He goes out in 40 on Friday, first nine holes – goes out in 40 closes and then just blows everybody away over the next three rounds. And, you know, he, he's four over through nine holes plays the next 63 and 14 under. I mean, it's just, that's sick. And his, I think, I think more than anything this year, he learned how to be a pro in terms of his mental makeup and his demeanor. Uh, Cause that's something that takes a lot of time and he'll, he'll still grow in that, but I think he's going to be an awesome pro. I thought Justin Thomas had a, had a great point. He he tweeted this out, but he's like, look, it's one thing to be good. It's one thing to be good when everybody expects you to be good. And he was mm-hmm. in the same way that LeBron has exceeded every expectation on him, like in the NBA. 
I, I would say the same for Wolf in his sophomore year. The expectations were sky high. I mean, especially after last year's NCAAs. And he comes out and blows all of them away. And uh, I, I was I was really impressed by that and just kind of the way he carried himself throughout. Yeah, to go out in 40-40 and, and counter with 33, I, I did text a buddy and say that's why he's a pro. So I, I, I totally agree. So he, uh, I got an email, by the way, that said, are, are you – are you sure Wolf is going pro? He's just a sophomore. <laughs> and I was, I haven't responded. That's, that, that's related to my one interesting thing. I haven't ahead. responded yet, but I was, and I've got a, I've, I know what your one interesting thing is, and I've got something to add to it. But uh, I have not responded yet. But to the person who emailed, if you're asking, yes, Matthew Wolf is going pro. He actually, there's an article on Golf Channel. He's actually already moved out of Stillwater, Jupe Life, hashtag. He's already going to Jupiter. Yeah, he's in Jupiter. Figured, figured he'd go to Cali where Gankus is. No, nope, he's working with him. He's probably he's probably. I mean, Fowler's house is big enough that he could live in it without. You know, no, they wouldn't even know that he's there. <laughs> so he graduated Gankus school and he's leaving home. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I thought Colin Morikawa, the stud from Cal, was on set after he finished stroke play. And he kind of let the cat out of the bag. They were like, what's your plans for going pro? And he kind of laid out his plans for the next step. And he goes, he goes, and it's going to be fun having, you know, Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland going pro with me as well. Like just stated <laughs> it very matter of factly. They haven't declared, but I think mean, everyone knows that they're gone. Which I guess before we move on to softball, Kyle, OSU has recruited lights out. But man, it's going to be Austin Eckroat and a bunch of newbies next year. Yeah, it is. Austin Eckroat, though. I mean, he's not in the Wolf category. I think he could get to the Hovland category, I think. Uh, I don't know that he has the pro potential of either of those guys. But, hey, he qualified for the U.S. Open this year, which is, you know, that's not an easy thing to do as a, as a college player. So He's I'm, really good. I yeah, mean, I think he could he could play on the PGA Tour. I just don't know if he'll have all the, the exemptions and stuff unless he comes back and, and wins some. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him as the number one guy. They're adding this kid from India. Can't remember his first name. His last name's Thomas. Uh, Ryan or Ryan? Ryan, um, yeah. Rayhan? Rayhan, there you it. go. He's the number 15 AM in the world. So <laughs> the, the, the number one and number four AMs are ejecting, and the, the number 15 is coming in to join Eckroad and, and company. But yeah, I mean, they're not going to be as good next year. I, I don't think anybody. Uh, is is denying that, but it will be. I think the development of Ekro will be will be super interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you want to go softball? Yeah. Uh, Samantha Shaw. Do we need to even talk about anything else? Uh, not really. I mean, that was. I thought Marshall Scott wrote a great piece about it on on the site, but that's up there with great individual performances we've seen, right? She pitched and hit, hit two hummers. Yeah. That's, we, um, doing we, it all. We started doing the list last night and I don't, I don't think you, you chimed in. You might not have seen it, but Marshall was essentially asking like, well, just off the top of your head, best performances ever. And the Rashawn seven TD game came up. I brought up Rutherford in 95. Remember when we had 45 at Allen Fieldhouse? Yep. When country didn't score. Uh, Bowman, 300 yards at Kansas, I thought was a big deal. I thought Blackman in, against Stanford in the Fiesta Bowl was a big deal. I think I would throw in Whedon and Lubbock in the 45 mile an hour wins yeah, to make himself sick. to make himself the Heisman favorite and yeah. beat Tech by like 60. I put that one up there. Yeah. 
there was a couple black uh, black men in the fiesta bowl has to be up there yeah i, I threw that one in there bogan uh, mario bogan in the the durant game you love that game so much oh i love that game yeah, <laughs> of course we were both there we were both there um I brought up Cesar Guerrero. Remember when he had like <laughs> 31 against... Uh, That's the greatest random single game performance ever. Yeah. I think it was against UTSA. It was a freshman record at Oklahoma State. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. There, uh, Kyle Cox brought up Jawan Evans, 42 against... OU. These are all recent. I mean, we weren't going into like the, you know... Like Barry Sanders when, and against Wyoming. Well, the problem with Barry Sanders is that he had 300 yards every game. So, like, <laughs> there wasn't one that stood out above, you know, all the other ones. Um, but, yeah, for all the people hollering right now about Walt Garrison and Jim Wilkaball, like, we, we were we were trying to keep it in the last 30 years. Yeah. No, she was unbelievable. The The bat flip thing has taken on a complete life of its own, and I, and I love it. I, I always loved – what Bryce Harper had to say about baseball and how stuffy it is and how he wants to be able to celebrate like other sports and make yep. it more 21st century. And essentially every other sport you're allowed to celebrate, but in baseball you're supposed to just sprint down the first baseline. I love, I love the exuberance and the celebration. I love, I think that transfers over to softball too. I think it's, I think it's good for the game. If the people get stuffy about it, I, I really don't care. I, I loved it. Did you see what Kenny Gaeski said about this? Yeah, he talked about some code book, and if you have a code book, to send it his way, and he'd read it. But he's he hasn't heard of a code book. Is that basically what he said? He said, well, he said that, but he also said uh, that he's like, look, Mike Holder's blowing up my text about this softball team, and there's nobody that's more conservative than Mike Holder. So I think I think we're probably doing <laughs> something right. <laughs> but I thought that was great. Like if you're if you're mad about bat flips, like just go. I I don't just pick do something else. Go I don't know. <laughs> Pound, pound, go pound sand like whatever <laughs> i mean but here's the thing like he, here's and somebody brought this up and i thought it was a great point you can't you you can't do the thing where you're like oh yeah this is great love this and then be pissed when when mayfield plants the flag at ohio state right you know same deal i mean maybe it's or, a, or does or does the windmill dance down the sideline yeah deal. same deal and it's great all of it is great because it's it's freaking fun and Characters are revealing themselves, and it, it's just it's great. and and it's winnings awesome. f- and winnings fun. So if yeah. you don't like watching it, beat them. That's how I've always approached that. Yeah, you know Baker wasn't doing the dance when he lost to Georgia because Georgia beat him. So if you just win, you don't got to worry about. It. Although were people complaining? Why was Gajewski even asked about it? He, he said he said he's gotten like emails and calls from OSU fans. Oh gosh. <laughs> Give me a break. How good is that? What where are we at in society? Yeah, you don't like success. Like, imagine being the OSU fan who just saw OSU advance in the Women's College World Series for first time in recent memory, and taking the time out of your day to email Kenny Gajewski and complain about a bat flip. Imagine being that person. It's incredible. I mean, imagine what, being that miserable. What a corner to be. What like what a stance to take. <laughs> You're such hill. I was trying to come up with a comparison for other uh, sport. I guess Yursich would be a good example. I, mean, <laughs> I hate my top ten offense. Fire Yursich. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm man. I'm uh, you know I, I don't know. I don't fo- follow or cover softball that much. But 
you don't have to to be excited about Bedlam in the Women's College World Series uh, on a Friday night in Oklahoma City. That's pretty good, right? Oh, that's that's as good as it gets. Yeah. I, I'm this you time know, of year. You kidding me? And and OU, what are they like? Fifty and three, or fifty and two, or something like that. Yeah. And Oklahoma State's lost to them three times, three or four times this year. And uh, you know who knows? It's gonna be. Uh, I'm excited about it. It's gonna be match play, baby. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> and you know, if if Oklahoma State wins this, then you you know you start talking about okay, well championship series. How does the, talking about? How does the rest of this play out? Uh, yeah, it's it's been. It's been a really exciting time uh, in just the last few weeks for kind of these non-revenue, like the non-football and, and basketball sports. It's been great. Well, and it's it's such a big deal now with the way ESPN covers it mm-hmm. and it's nationally televised. There, those places, the ASA Hall of Fame Stadium sold out when OU and OSU aren't there. So it's, it's just become a huge event. To that. So to have Bedlam in that is going to be, is going to be epic. And... I didn't realize this, Kyle. I knew Gajewski had – I thought he had coached with Patty Gasso at Oklahoma. But he did you know he was the groundskeeper? He started out as the groundskeeper for baseball and worked on the softball fields too. And that's kind of how he got started in softball. Did you know that? Like they go way back. Uh, so Gajewski was the groundskeeper for Patty Gasso, and he played with the Florida coach, Tim Walton, at Oklahoma. They were both on the 94 national championship team. And so once he started working with Patty Gasso, he got into softball, or once he was a groundskeeper for her. That's fascinating. Then he goes to Tennessee as, I think, director of baseball ops. Yeah, so he yeah, goes back yeah. to baseball, and that's when Tim Walton, his former teammate at Florida, hired him to coach softball. Yeah. So it's, it's an incredible, they have incredible history. He, Gajewski, Gasso, and Walton all did the press conference together this week. And it was pretty amazing how far they've all come together in the programs they've each built. So there's a lot of history between Gajewski and Patty Gasso going into that game. It's it's pretty cool and to see the job Gajewski's done to elevate OSU to at least get to the point he is now going up against his mentor. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a it's a cool story, and uh, it should be fun on Friday night. I did get a, a reader email. Actually, let's do this first. Let's do the um, the schedule for the rest of this week. Let's get to this week's OSU schedule brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We really only have two things going on, Carson. We've got Oklahoma State softball against OU on Friday night, and then you know a lot of things can happen from there in terms of like winning, losing, when you play, where you put – well, not where you play. They're playing in Oklahoma City, but – uh, we'll see after that. And then we got uh, baseball. Oklahoma State, number one seed uh, in their own regional, which is actually in Oklahoma City. And they're playing uh, Harvard. It reminded me of uh, Markel Brown's dunk on Harvard in the NIT about <laughs> seven years ago. So uh, that will be on Friday night as well. So if you're an Oklahoma State fan that lives in Oklahoma City, you could come pretty close to pulling off because the baseball is at six. And the softball, I believe, is at eight thirty, but might start late. So, but um, will start late because typically the now that we're getting to further in the tournament, there's not even very many blowouts. And there's yeah. really not in women's World Series anyway, because every team's good. But, but no, I Kyle, I hate it for Ali P. That's such a bummer that we don't get a final series or a final regional at Ali P. Reynolds in its final year. That that, that weather stinks. I, I feel for the people that are dealing with flooding up there, but. It does present an interesting thing, having a regional in Bricktown where OSU yeah. just mowed through the, the Big 12 tournament. That's going to be a lot of fun. I like it. I, I think 
I think it will be a lot of fun. I think that sometimes it's better to get away from. I just feel like there'd be so much pro, like to win the final series in Alley P or the final regional in Alley. There, there would be a ton of pressure, and I don't know. Maybe that'd be good for that team, but there is still the the chance that if they win and the the team opposite them, I think it's Texas Tech and the other uh, like the other top seed doesn't win then I think they could still host a super regional, right? I think that's correct, yes, even though they weren't a national seed. So we might we might actually get one final... Ooh, a super regional at Alley P? Now that would be something. To go to the College World Series, would that be good Oof. or no? A dog pile at Alley P to send it out would be just... Like Incavilia would have to run out and join in the dog pile <laughs> if that happened. Okay, I got a question uh, from, a, from a reader, and... It's really good. And this is from James. I put it in a mailbag yesterday, but I said I would discuss it on the pod as well. So his question would, would you rather, and there's four options, OSU win a national championship in golf, baseball, and softball in the same year. So theoretically could have happened this year. Number two, OSU win a big 12 title in football. Pretty straightforward. Number three, OSU make a final four in basketball. So not one at all, just make a final four. And number four, would you rather wrestling win three straight national titles? Oh, man. This is a cruel question because you're going to get lambasted no matter what you pick. Um, I, Kyle, I got to go with the Big 12 football. I think football matters the most. Yeah. OSU is now a football school. As great as it would be to see a Final Four, it's right there with me. Um, and making a Final Four these days is almost like winning the national title. You get mm-hmm. a banner. You get mm-hmm. all the – no one remembers who wins the actual – title except for that school i mean can you name the last four national champions i'd have to really think about it um so i you know we we still talk in reverential tones about that 2011 team that won the big 12 that was such a big deal um it used to be the centerpiece of the stadium until they made it 1945 national champions which i got a great tweet from former ou quarterback noah allen that said when does osu raise the stroke play banner in gallagher iba which that's a cruel joke. That's so but it's, good. That's those are the jokes you earn when you build yeah. a 1945 sign and make it the centerpiece of your entire football stadium. Those are the jokes you earned. Not those aren't mean spirited. That's that's what you get for for doing that. That's so, pretty great. That's a great. But tweet. Uh, I would go with football. What say you? Uh, I would go. Here's the interesting thing: <clears throat> football, both the football and the wrestling, the st- the three straight titles, have happened more recently than the Final Four. Wow. No longer a basketball school. Isn't that crazy? So Oklahoma State uh, wins the Big 12 in 2011 in football. They won three straight wrestling titles in both 05 and 06 because they actually won four straight. And they went to a Final Four in 2004. They've never won uh, baseball, softball, and golf in the same year. So I don't know. I w- <laughs> I mean, two is probably the answer. And look, I said, ask me in at the end of October, and I'm definitely saying two. It's hard to say that on May 31st when I've just watched Matthew Wolf for a week straight. <laughs> uh, but I, I think going to a Final Four, just in from my perspective of being able to cover that, I've covered a lot of things. I've never covered like a deep NCAA tournament run. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think that would be something that – everybody would get really, really excited about. And 
it lasts a long time. It lasts a month. You know, you go first and second yeah. round, then you go Sweet 16, Elite Eight, then you're in the Final Four. That's a really, I think we, because we don't remember it, I think we underrate how much fun that is. I agree. We do underrate that. That was, that was my freshman year of college, I think, or maybe sophomore year. I think it's freshman year of college. Yeah. And that was just the most, I was on the floor for like every game. And it was, <laughs> Gallery was full to the very top row. Yeah. It was out of this world fun. So maybe I'm underrating that a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. And then we'll come back and wrap things up with one interesting thing. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, you said you've got uh, one interesting thing. I think I already like unloaded all my stats, but I will <laughs> I will piggyback on yours with uh, a little nugget that I got uh, via uh, somebody. So go ahead. I was told by somebody who would know, or someone who had spoken with people who know Matt Wolf. I'll just leave it at that. That he's getting offers of a hundred million dollars by certain golf companies. I won't say who. And he's debating not taking that in, in hopes of going somewhere else for maybe even less money. That's that's the status this guy's going to have coming out of OSU. That is why he's turning pro, <laughs> because he's he's mulling. He's not signing as soon as they're offered. He's mulling offers of a hundred million dollars. And I think if you became a big fan of his, get ready because he's going to be in commercials. I think he's going to have his own like wolf logo like it's gonna be he's he's everything cameron champ is not that the pga tour tries to make him be he cameron champ wishes he was matthew wolf and you're about to you're about to get all the matthew wolf i think you want that's a great that's a great call on cam champ uh i talked to an agent i won't say who somebody uh not an agent somebody who well an agent but somebody who's just affiliated with an agency and I asked him, I'll, I'll just read this because I don't want to get it wrong. And it's kind of funny. I asked him, like, look, how, what, what's, what kind of numbers are we talking here? Like, what, what, how's this going to go? And they said, a lot. I can't say at this point, but it looks like it will be very good to be him. And <laughs> so to your point, like, he's going to get all the money. And w- so was that, was the, the figure that you heard, was that equipment plus apparel, I'm guessing? I would assume, yeah. I didn't get the, the specifics on that. It was just the big brand name. Yeah. And so, and they have the brand name has uh, equipment as well, as yeah. far as who they're partnered with. So I and he I'm, was mulling that. So I'm fascinated because you saw you saw Norman Zhang last year go with uh, Callaway. He went with Callaway. I can't remember what he did for apparel, but uh, he got a lot of money. I think he got uh, eight figures, maybe. Um, and and I don't, I don't remember the terms of the contract, but it was, it was a ton of money. And now we're talking about 
nine figures with Wolverine? How about, and, how about who, nine figures? Well, and who knows who knows how much, you know, how long that is or whether that, you know, who knows. Yeah, but, that might be like a 25-year deal for all I know. I but, don't know. But to your point, he is the – not only is he the best – maybe the best prospect since tiger. I think he's the most marketable prospect to come out of college golf in, I mean, maybe since tiger, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't, you can't say that definitively, but you know, you look at somebody like Fowler and you're like, Oh, well, what about Fowler? Well, Fowler was, was good in college. He was really good, but he wasn't this good. I mean, like he, th- this is, I th- and I think people are sort of underrating it. Like what he did this year, he won six times this year. He won. There were five guys that finished under par at the NCAAs, and he won by five and finished ten under. I mean, he is. It's not even close how much better he is than everybody else in terms of pure talent. Does that mean he's going to succeed right away on the PGA Tour? No, of course not. Like he has to actually make the PGA Tour first. But I just think that if you're if you are putting your money somewhere as a company. Uh, it, it's a good investment to get in up front. Would he beat Kepka right now, though? <laughs> Kepka could be. I wouldn't put it past him. Kepka could be like a Rory Tiger Spieth best ball at a major right now. Yeah, yeah, he's insane. So he's, that, he's gonna be fun to watch. I guess did did Ricky win the Haskins? I think he did. I underrated Ricky's career a little bit until I saw some of the numbers. But you're right. I mean. Not nearly as many people were talking about Ricky when he was coming out as they are with with Matthew. Uh, hold on, I'll look up the Haskins. So the the winners. At, so this is basically college golf Heisman. Uh, Norman Zhang won it last year. Ricky did not win it. Huh? I Bo, thought I already did. Bo Hostler won it. Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay. I mean, he's right. maybe he won. Maybe he won the Mickelson. Maybe I, maybe that's yeah, what I, I saw. I think that's right. Hunter Mahan won the Haskins. Charles Howell. Graham McDowell wanted at UAB, Luke Donald, Matt Kuchar, Tiger, Phil won it three times, David Duvall, Justin Leonard, Stuart Sink. I mean, it, you know, th- this is this is the company that that Matthew Wolf is about to be keeping, which is incredible. Crazy. Yeah. So. I wonder if he'll wear orange on Sunday. Maybe that's just Ricky's <laughs> thing. Yeah. I I uh, I don't know. I don't know if that'll be Wolf's thing. We'll see. Can't wait. Okay, Carson. uh, Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the softball. Enjoy the baseball. And we will reconvene next week to chat about it all. Sounds good. Have a good weekend. Okay. See you.